Real life. Real life, real love, real purpose. Uh, that's why we're here. And um, that's uh, the vision of our church is for real life, which is not a human kind of life. It's not a uh, humanly produced kind of life, but is a life that can come only from one source, and that is from God himself. The very life of God, or life the way God has life in, in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospel of John, you see uh, eternal life so many times together. The Greek words are aeonius and zoe. The word for life is zoe, and it really means the life of God and the nature of God. And those two, if you know anything about the Lord, have to go together. His life and his nature. And so when we're born again, we partake of that. So as we receive the word of God today, that word is going to penetrate our outside flesh and the thoughts that may uh, try to dominate our mind that would be contrary to the word of God. And when the word of God is spoke under the power of the Holy Spirit, that word penetrates to the core of our being. So as we receive the word today, receive it, um, like Paul said, as it were, the very words of God. Because if you receive it as God himself is speaking, then you can get the results and you'll have the esteem and honor for what's said through the word of God that goes beyond uh, what I could come up with. You know, I, I of course, uh, endeavor to spend time in the presence of God through prayer and in the word, and to let the Spirit of God dominate me, study to show myself approved, and then yield myself to the Spirit of God. Because you could know a lot of Scripture. The devil actually knows a lot of Scripture. He quoted it to Christ. Uh, but there was no anointing on what the devil said. And, uh, you know, for years... I read the Word of God, and I enjoyed the Word of God, and I had uh, glimpses of light on the Word of God. But the second that I fully yielded myself to the Spirit of God, I became filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and I did not see a light, and I did not see fire on top of my head, although that would have been cool. <laughs> but I saw in the Word of God more than I had ever seen and more that I ever knew was there. I, would, I remember I would read the same scriptures that I had memorized, and I looked at them, and I would do a double, triple, quadruple take. And say like, because why? Oh, thank God. It was like messing with my mind, because I mentally had memorized these scriptures. I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. We used to, Bible quiz on Romans and James and Acts. And so I read it, and it had such, uh, the best word I could have for it is it had such life in it and such light. It was, it, it, and it still is, living. It was like living, like breathing. Like if, you, if, if, if that could be that on the page, that's the way it was, you know, but it wasn't like I saw the page moving, but it was alive. Well, the Spirit gives life. But the letter actually brings death. In other words, you're just going to be legalistic and this, boom, 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 boom. The Spirit of God gives life. He, God breathed into Adam the breath of life, the pneuma of life, like the Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit shows up, 
You know, at the beginning in Genesis, the Holy Spirit, we learn, was hovering over the waters. Actually, it says he was hovering over the chaos. And so when the Holy Spirit, if you allow him to hover over your chaos, he can take the chaos and put it in order. And God can look and say, wow, that is good. Because you let the Holy Spirit get involved. And so you can go through life and not make room for the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you, or maybe just let him work in you and through you a little bit in your comfort zone. But you could have a much fuller life if you just yield to the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, yield to the Holy Spirit? Well, I think it's quite simple. And that is, if you're coming, driving a car or a bike down the road, and there is a yield sign on your lane of traffic, and someone else is coming, what should you do if you don't want to be in an accident? You yield. In other words, you either slow down or you may have to completely stop to let the other go through. And so what do you do when the Holy Spirit is moving on you and speaking to you? Says, I'd like you to talk to that person right there. I just want you to tell them God loves you. You've got a plan for your life. Do you just like go right through that yield sign or do you kind of pause? I like to try to pause and and I kind of pay attention like, okay, what was that? You know, Brother Hagin used to call it putting out your spiritual antenna. So instead of being so aware of my schedule and uh, my surroundings and all these things, I kind of pause and look to the inside and then I see and then I get more direction. Uh, But that's like yielding to the Holy Spirit. Well, the same thing is true When you want to yield to the Holy Spirit, um, if you are born again, there are answers waiting for you in the presence of God. And if you are born again, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, and He is endeavoring to guide you and to speak and to use you. John Wesley, uh, founder of the Methodist Church years and years and years ago, said, it seems that God can do nothing unless someone asks him. First, ask him. Well, I agree with him, and the reason I agree with him is uh, God is a God of authority, and he created mankind, Adam and Eve. And when he created mankind, he said, I have given you dominion over all the works of my hands. What does that mean? Well, I have put you in charge over all the works of my hands. And then the... and all this stuff, when someone puts you in charge at a company or a job and they say, you can do all this stuff, but this is not your responsibility. And so God said, "Uh, this tree is not your responsibility. You don't touch that tree. But the devil came in and spoke to them and they listened to his words enough that they then acted on his words. When they acted on his words, They gave up their position of authority, and man spiritually died. And then began a pattern which all of us should be familiar, that they began to, what did they do? They sewed fig leaves and covered themselves and tried to hide, and like the Lord doesn't know what you're doing. (laughs) So the Lord says, you're so smart, where are you? (laughs) 
Do you ever notice when the Lord speaks to you, you have to be careful how you hear? Jesus said that to us. And so you could think, if you're Adam and Eve, I thought you were God. I'm right here. Can't you see me? Wow, my little covering up worked, you know. But maybe he's asking you a heart question. Where are you? What have you done? You have separated yourself from me because you will, with an act of your will, you chose to go the opposite direction. And so, of course, we know that then Jesus came and he is known as the second Adam to get that back, that relationship back. And he is a a forerunner, one that would go before us in like all things. I mean, he goes before us into the presence of God. He's a forerunner. And uh, through him, we have access to God himself. So what happened is our condition became so deteriorated and so messed up, the moment that man gave up his authority to the devil, that uh, he needed to be recreated not patched up, but completely recreated, completely made brand new. And so Jesus came not only to restore us, restoration to favor, one translation says, but remember why he said I came? That you might have life and have it more abundantly. That you might have the life and the nature of God. In other words, that you might live how God lives And have that in abundance. So every one of us, whether you're conscious of it or not, and you're born again, you have the Spirit of God, and He is endeavoring not only... (laughs) Praise the Lord. I would actually say primarily to the believer... He is endeavoring to use us to give to other people. I'm not talking about money, but I'm not not talking about money. But he is endeavoring for us to give of his life to other people. Jesus came that we might have life. That life was his life, the life of God himself. And so he is endeavoring uh, to get us to share his life with other people. Do you know one of the one of the most amazing ways, thank God, praise the Lord, that we can share the life of God, I want you to try and remember over the last year, have you had times when you thought of someone that you have not thought of for a really long time, and you're kind of like, oh, I wonder why I thought of them, and then you go on a little like an hour later, oh, you're thinking of this, per- this person again, and you know, an hour later, you're thinking of this person again, maybe you stopped to pray, or maybe you didn't, and maybe you found out that same day or that week or the next month, like, oh, man, I was having a really rough time and I really needed prayer. And, you know, the Lord is speaking. And sometimes we don't recognize his voice. Why? Because the cares of this world, the pressures that we have. In other words, when you don't live in peace, which only comes from taking all of the cares that try to consume us and try to control us and try to direct us, if if we don't take those and roll them off on the Lord like Philippians 4 tells us, 
And when we do that, Philippians 4 is written to the believer. Actually, the Philippians church was an amazing church. The Philippians church is probably the closest church to the modern day, you know, spirit-filled, word-of-faith church. Because they had a lot going on. Their only main problem was they weren't in unity. Because they, they knew the power of God and they knew these things, but they were just kind of trying to be independent little people. That's extra. That's not in the message. But... Um, To the believer, he said, cast all of your cares over on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Amplified says, you know, about you affectionately and for you watchfully. In other words, when he's looking at you, when he's looking at me, when he's looking at the believer, he sees us with these cares that are trying to weigh us down or actually are weighing us down. And he says, oh, I have great affection towards you. I'm watching out for you. I know exactly what's going on in your life. If you'll just give me an inch by casting those things on me, the peace, my peace that goes beyond your understanding because you're trying to understand this problem, you're trying to understand the solution to this problem, if you just let me, you just cast it off. I can't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. You're in the position. I'm not in that position. As soon as you cast it off and you roll it off on him, then the peace of God, awesome translation says, shall come in like a garrison of soldiers into a turbulent country and quiet you. So in other words, you ever been? I've been there. <laughs> You're like, you got all these cares, all these things going on, and it's like getting more intense and more intense and more intense. And if you if you submit to the Lord, resist those things, you just turn them over to the Lord, all of a sudden, the air clears. It's like a, a breath of fresh air. Why? You lay down your pride. Because why? Well, when you're worrying and doing all this stuff, you are trying to accomplish it. And you're like, you know, some things we think are too small for the Lord. But the Bible says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine, right? So it's the little things that get you. And in my life, very rarely have I had something huge that just all of a sudden uh, those things can come. But most of the time, the way you miss it is the little things. And you say, oh, oh that's, you know, think of sickness. If you got a little sniffle or this or that or whatever, well, that's not big enough to take your authority over. Like, why bother with it? You know, I, I'm busy, you know, and... Isn't it funny? It doesn't take that much energy or effort, but it takes putting the flesh under. It takes turning away from our own way. I think we are more driven by our self-will than what we are aware of. And we're yet less yielded than what we think we are. Um, otherwise, we would be more yielded. And so um, the Lord wants to use every believer, and he wants to bless the believer, but his focus is on giving and giving to people. So whenever we just stop and look just to ourselves, it's kind of like we put a stop to the flow of the power of God. And he wants his power to flow. And I've been, uh, my dad uh, retired, I think from like 40 years as a journeyman electrician. And um, so as he retired from being an electrician, uh, I've been reading lately, uh, rereading uh, some John Lake material. And in there, you know, John Lake talks about that uh, 
the supernatural power of God or the power of God in the supernatural realm, in the realm of God, is like electricity in the natural realm. And so uh, I've been asking my dad some electrical questions. So finally I asked him the other day a bunch of questions and Man, he was so nice to me. He just spent all this time, maybe 30, 40 minutes, maybe almost an hour, I don't remember, talking and telling me all this stuff, and I'd ask another question, another question. So finally, at the end, he never asked me, why are you asking? Until the very end, he said, he said how come you're asking? And I said, well, actually, he's like, what are you trying to fix? <laughs> I'm trying to fix myself. <laughs> and so, um, so he finally asked me, and he said, oh, he said, yeah, I could see that. That's, very, that. that's very interesting. But anyhow, the whole reason I said that was to give you context for this. In that, you know, if I plug a cord into that plug over there and I just lay the cord, there's no electricity flowing in the cord. But as soon as I plug it, a light bulb in or something else in that I want to run with that cord, then the power flows. And so believers are so much like that. Like you have all this power inside of you. But have you ever noticed if you're, you know, and, you know, let's just use depression, but depression has many levels, clinical, not, whatever, but, you know, when somebody says, man, I had a depressed day, normally they're probably not suicidal, but at any rate, even if you were. So um, if, you have, if you're having like a down day or a depressed day, do you know probably the best cure for that? You get out and do something for somebody else. Get beyond yourself because that depressed day uh, is just you looking at yourself. Some people have spirits coming at them. I understand all that. Um, but I'm saying, like, if you're having a down day, uh, Brother Hagin used to say, it's such a good, such a good um, truth, I believe. And that is, uh, when you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil is working on you. Well, why they, why, why they treat me like that? Why are they ignore me? Or don't they care? And nobody cares. And you sound like Elijah, <laughs> you know? I am the only one, Lord. <laughs> like he's talking to God. And he is explaining to the Lord that I am the only one that really loves you. And I am the only one that really honors you. And uh, uh, I think I'm just going to die. I just want to die. I just want to die. And then um, the Lord says, um, are you finished? I'd like to tell you something. I have 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal, right? So sometimes we get in our own thinking, in our own way, we get in our own way. And we think, you know, I'm the only one. I'm just this. But really, if you want to see the power of God in your life, in the life of others, if you want to have revelation, if you want... To see mighty things done, we have to get beyond ourselves. So we have to actually put ourselves aside and allow the Lord to work through us. Is it, um, I think it's F.F. Bosworth said, uh, if you want what God wants for the same reason that God wants it, you are invincible. If you want what God wants, for the same reason that God wants it, you're unstoppable, you're invincible. Well, why is that? Do you remember, like, when we did our faith series, uh, I kept talking about when I, I did that big dictionary, which is awesome, you know, I was studying it, and uh, it said that, like, in other words, we talked about the elements of faith, and one of my favorite elements of faith, and something that really, it obviously ministered to me a lot, was 
that by definition, faith is a continual, in other words, because faith is now, faith is a continual turning away from self-will and what the world has to offer, which I'm saying is this side for a visual illustration, um, turning away from that, releasing that, and grabbing hold of Jesus, grabbing hold of God as an act of your will. And so there's a lot of things I don't know. So I don't know if it's the most powerful thing we have as individuals, but I know it is very powerful, the willpower, the power to decide. In other words, you can make a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. And from that split second in the realm of time, you become connected with eternity. And you have the life and the nature of God. You have just been recreated on the inside by the Spirit of God. This is not the work of a man. This is not the work of a person. This is the work of God. As, just as an act of our will. And so when we do that, we allow God to work. But he didn't just work in us. I'm not talking with faith. I'm talking about, of course, it's the initial inception of salvation into reality in your life, which God has already accomplished through Jesus Christ. But then if you're believing God for finances, if, you're, if you want to receive healing that he has already offered in his son, Jesus Christ, you have to turn away from your own abilities, your own way to figure it out. All of this, you release that and grab hold of what he's done. Then you can partake of it. But he's not doing that just because he loves you. He is because he he loves you, but he's doing it because he loves all mankind and he wants his power to flow through you. So he not only wants his power to flow to you, but he wants it to flow through you. So he doesn't want you to stop the flow of the power. He wants us to be a conduit of the power of God, which includes the love of God and the life of God and the healing of God and the prosperity of God. He wants us to yield to him so he can do what only he can do, right? Praise the Lord. I want to read you again uh, the, the quote that I read, I think, last week from uh, George Muller. And, uh, you know, he had an orphanage in Bristol, England. And, uh, you know, man, he, he had a, I don't remember right now off the top of my head, but he had some type of a, a job and a position. He just uh, got rid of the job, sold the business if he had a business, and said, I'm looking and I'm just looking to the Lord. And the Lord put it on his heart. There were so many orphans there um, to minister to the orphans. And so he said, I'm looking to the Lord, and I'm looking to the Lord only. And he doesn't, you know, it amazes me as a pastor, but he didn't have a church. He didn't have a mailing list. He, he, all he had was word of mouth, but he's talking to the Lord, and a few people find out what he's doing. And so he believed God, and he said at the end of his life that uh, what, the amount of faith it took him at the beginning to believe God for $1, he could now use that same and believe God for $1 million dollars. Because he, he fed his faith and he exercised his faith. Right? God has given to every man the measure of faith, so we have that measure. It's kind of like a muscle. And the more you utilize it, the more you feed on the word of God, your faith, the more real it becomes, the more you start to experience it, the more you begin to see it. But um, at any rate, so here's his quote. Someone was asking him at the, near the end of his life, you know, what's the key to your ministry? Like, what, what, what have you done and stuff? And he said, George Muller, there was a day when I died, utterly died, to George Muller, his opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. 
died to the approval or blame, blame, excuse me, even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved unto God. That's so good, I want to read again. There was a day when I died, utterly died. You could say the same thing. Died to George Muller. His opinions, his preferences, his tastes, and his will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved unto God. That is the point of real spiritual growth. Because why? If you're really following God, you're going to be different not only than the world, but you're going to be different than a lot of believers who are content to just enter in and remain where they're at. I've got my ticket punched, is the thought. But if you have a real, vibrant, living relationship with the Lord, it is a continual releasing of your own will. Like, remember what Paul said? Not I, but Christ lives in me. How can you do that? The life that I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Some translations say, in the Son of God, who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. We love because he first loved us. We give because he first gave to us. We can yield to the power of God because Jesus came as a man and first yielded to the power of God. He made a way. So back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, Adam and Eve messed up and spiritual death came upon all mankind and Jesus was not just content to say, I'm gonna make you right with God. But he said, I'm gonna, well, technically it all has to go together but we think of it separately. But anyhow, he was not content to just say, I'm gonna live my life. He did not live his life for himself. He did not go come out of heaven and come here for himself. He came for you and he came for every other human being that has ever lived on the earth or that will live on the earth, both lost and saved. And everybody had to get saved at some point. You're just not automatically saved. Um, you know, <laughs> sometimes some people, well, I've always been saved. No, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. Whosoever will, let him come. In other words, as an act of your will, you have to decide, you know what? I'm tired of doing this myself. I'm tired of doing it my own way. I don't like the results I'm getting. I want your results. You know, if you read Hebrews, you find out this is the rest. We have entered into rest. So we're not any longer like trying to strive and do this. If you're having a really hard time with something, um, you need to go to Jesus because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so you're doing it the wrong way. You say, oh, I know the Lord requires this of me and he requires me to suffer through this and all this type of stuff. No, no. The Lord has provided a way out. I mean, there are things that we experience in our life 
And I, I like to say, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and it does not disappoint us. So yes, you're going to have trouble in the world, but be of good cheer. In other words, you don't have to be overcome by the circumstances that seem to be surrounding and caving in on you, but you can be like the prophet and you can say, Lord, open my eyes that I may see your true perspective because greater are they that are with us than they that are with them. But if you limit your vision to the, the things of the natural, what you see, what you hear, what you touch, what you feel, and what you smell... You will be overcome at some point in your life. If you're not now, you will be overcome with something that you cannot conquer because you are just a man. But when you're born again, you have been recreated by Christ Jesus in the likeness and the image of God. And in order to have complete dominion and the blessings of the Lord, you have to live out of the new creation that you have been made. But you have a choice. You can respond to what you, your unrenewed mind, you can respond to your flesh, and you can respond out of your spirit and your renewed mind. You know, there's an unrenewed mind and there's a renewed mind. And so if you respond out of your spirit and your renewed mind, then you'll be like, oh, this is all really true. <laughs> it's actually true. I'll finish with one thing here. This is a quote from E.W. Kenyon. He said, when one has received eternal life, he no longer has a use for philosophy or for religion. He has found the Father. Jesus has become a reality in his life. When one has received eternal life, in other words, you can live a life and not live in the, in the knowledge of eternal life that you have inside of you. You can have the answer, and if you're a believer, you do have the answer living on the inside of you, and you can just ignore the answer throughout your whole life and say, I wonder why our life was this way, because the word of God says that there's so much more. Why am I not experiencing it? You know, um, Brother Hagen, um, when he was pastoring a church, he pastored, I don't know how many, four or five churches. Any, anyhow, he pastored for a total of 13 years. One of the churches he was pastoring, his kids were young, and um, there were other young kids in the church. And he predicted, I think there were about five kids he was talking about, he predicted how every one of those kids would turn out exactly accurately. Now, the Lord used him in the office of a prophet, and he said, I did not do that through the office of the prophet. He wasn't even in that office then. He said, I knew I had determined to raise my children in the light of Zoe, in the light of the life and nature of God, of eternal life, and that those parents, even though I tried to get them, they were just going to raise their kids after the flesh. And he said, I predicted accurately how every single one of those kids would turn out because of the light of Zoe. This life John talks about is the light of mankind. It literally means it's the development of mankind. So there was this girl. She was, uh, I think she was uh, between 16 and 18, I don't recall. But actually, uh, it could have been the same church, I don't remember, but in one of his churches. And that girl 
was really slow mentally. And she would, she would come to church in a dress and they had pews and she'd be crawling around under the pews and like, you know, her underwear is almost showing or stuff like that and just, just had the mentality of, I think, like a three-year-old. And um, she got born again. When she got born again, her, the, the life that is the development of man started to function in her and she became one of the most dignified ladies in the church and she ended up like leading all these people and doing all these things and had a quick and alert mind. Brother Hagen used to, when he was in school, um, before he was born again, he used to get like D's and all these other grades. Like everybody hears about him like because he had a photographic memory. He did not have that before he was born again. The life of God is the development of mankind. And there's a lot more that we can grab hold of that we're not even aware of. But if you get in the presence of God and you let him um, speak to you, there's a lot of things he'd like to show you. It's amazing. But when Jesus becomes a reality in your life, this changes everything, even for the believer. Stand with me if you would. Now, I'd like to end a little differently today. And so uh, Dave is going to be playing that song, Dave and Eddie. And uh, you know what they used to do, even in my church growing up, uh, I remember doing this at times, uh, they used to come around the altar, which we don't have one, and they used to pray. And so if you'd like to come forward and just kneel here at the step or in your seat or just sit down or stand and pray, however you best connect with the Lord, I just want to take about three minutes and I want each of us uh, individually to go into the presence of God. How do you do that? Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. You go uh, by the name of Jesus and you go based upon what Jesus has done and what Jesus has accomplished. In other words, if you try to go into the presence of God like the Pharisee and said, oh Lord, look at everything I've done, look at all these wonderful things, you can't get in that way. It's locked off to you. The only way you can come is by the blood of Jesus, which means you're not coming based on your own life or what you have accomplished, but you come based on the life of Christ poured out for you, poured out for me, poured out for every person. And you you say, Lord, thank you that by the blood of Jesus, I can come right now. And then you just pour out your heart to him, take a moment, minister to him, worship him, talk things over with him, just let him minister to you things that have been spoken by the word of God.